welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Forest Guy Podcast. We have a lot of American in a week. Holy crap, that defense is good. Let's go back to the lighter side of things. Holy crap, that defense is good. They are the way they They'll find a way to win a couple of games that maybe they should. Oh, thanks, sports. All right, folks, uh, back again with the Polish Guy Podcast. We got Blonick in from Houston. We absolutely couldn't. We were going to try to wait until the weekend to have a podcast. Uh, the sports world did not let that happen. Too much is going on. We had to address it. The NBA Finals start tomorrow. But, of course, the obvious reason for this podcast, that, that the big story throughout all of sports today uh, doing this on uh, Wednesday, uh, J- June 5th. Huge, huge story that, that on Friday, the Chicago Bears will be working on Jamarcus Russell. And uh, I just threw up. Sounds like you tried to choke it back there, though, buddy. Sounds like you did try to choke it back. Yeah, well, I mean, I yeah, I am drinking an original Cooters right now, and uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to spit it all over my computer screen. Well, there is that. Uh, you gotta, you gotta protect the computer, um, <laughs> even when hurling. Um, so we might have a Jamal, a Jamalers sighting. Apparently, he's back down to two sixty five, and we're supposed to be excited. <laughs> Yeah, uh, who knows what to think about this. Uh, I mean, maybe uh, maybe Tressman doesn't like McCown or something. I don't know, but uh, whatever. I guess the Bears are also working out. uh, Wait, wait, wait. Hold hold, uh, uh, on, hold on, hold on. Yes, yes. You you didn't do that correctly. you got to do this like a 3 a.m. infomercial. We said we're going to give you uh, Jamarcus Russell. But wait, if you act now, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Not only is there a Jamarcus Russell sighting here on Friday in Chicago, if you act now, you get Jordan Palmer and just, if you act in the next 10 minutes, Trent Edwards. Yes, Trent Edwards, Jordan Palmer, and Jamarcus Russell in the same city on the same day, on the same field. Just truly groundbreaking sports moments here. Just yeah, I mean, well, I mean, considering the uh, the pantheon of quarterbacks we have had uh, churning through Hallis Hall the last two decades, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> so, they fit right in there. <laughs> <laughs> they fit right into our team concept. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, Jamarcus, I like him very much, but he no help at quarterback. I mean, we might as well bring in Tebow at this point. Yeah, right. what? Yeah, you bring in these fucks, hey, why not? Or, or bring in a couple of guys that haven't been around in a few years, like Patrick Ramsey. Oh, God. <laughs> why not? 
<laughs> go for broke if you're going to go like this. If the strategy here is, is thinking that somehow one of these guys breaks through and resurrects his career when the Bears aren't able to re-sign Jay Cutler because they have to re-sign all of their defensive stars while cutting Julius Peppers in the offseason. I'm not thinking this is the plan, though. I just, I'm just saying, this, this, what good can come of this? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, me, the, me. Only, <laughs> the only, like, possible, uh, I don't even know. I'm, not, I'm just, I, I'm just uh, you know, at this time of year, uh, teams generally sign uh, usually they have about four or five quarterbacks under contract, and then they bring them to camp for camp arms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess that could be the only reason, but uh, none of these guys belong on a football field at this point. No, no. It, it, you know, they, they've got McCown, Cutler, and Blanchard, and uh, honestly, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Blanchard was what from Wisconsin Whitewater, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Edwards is going to be our third guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's going to be Jawalrits. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I like. It's just the a, only thing Tressman could be thinking is like, in terms of like arm talent, Russell is up there, and he did. Match Cutler in throws and practice, maybe. I, that, I that guess. Clued if he's uh, getting arrested or uh, drinking purple drink. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that the Chicago club scene would still be able to supply him with a proper amount of purple drink. <laughs> I'm not thinking the Chicago club scene is going to be good for Jawalrus. <laughs> Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Bears do this. Meanwhile, the, the Ravens very sneakily today signed Daryl Smith. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. You know, uh, and uh, and I guess at uh, OTAs and mini camps, the uh, the Packers have the uh, have welcomed back Johnny Jolly from his uh, purple drink incident. Yeah, can we just send Jamarcus there? Can we, like, sabotage the Packers in some way? <laughs> just is... send the Packers a bunch of, a bunch of purple drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just get Jamarcus in a minivan and just go up to Wisconsin. Come on. <laughs> we need some help here. All right, we've got seven minutes on Jamarcus. Let's move on. <laughs> that is not why we we had this podcast. We got the NBA Finals starting tomorrow. We decided we wanted to do a preview before it started. And then last night, this happened. Well, you know, you, you know that baseball is just not going to get away with just a few scandals with uh, PEDs. Now they might have the mother load in, in several different ways. Um... In short, people, if you have not heard it, and if you've been deaf, blind, and dumb, and living under a rock for the last 24 minutes, uh, 24 hours, uh, maybe 24 minutes, because it's pretty much being reported everywhere. Like, 
Anthony Bosch has uh, basically gotten enough pressure. The uh, MLB tried to get him to turn over his documents. They uh, they filed a lawsuit against him with no real guts to it, but this guy, he's hard up for money. He can't collect from the guys that he was sending all his drugs to. Uh, you know, they, he was basically living with friends, so he has turned, he is, he, yeah, he's, a, he's turned himself over, and now he's going to be willing to cooperate and show all the corroborating documents and cooperate with MLB. And MLB is now going to hit a ton of bricks, hit like a ton of bricks on about 20 players. Um, like, I just want to get your first thoughts on this and, uh, and how, how do you think this affects things? Um, well, it, it affects many teams uh, I got, greatly. I got but, two uh, fantasy players, man. Yeah, I mean, you got a couple of former MVPs. You got some all-star pitchers in there. Uh, you know, I, you know, Gio Gonzalez, uh, Cologne, uh, Nelson Cruz, A. Rod, Braun. Well, uh, the I mean, uh, uh, Johnny Peralta is batting about three twenty for the Tigers right now. Uh, Before we get into it all, let, let's just go through the list. It's A. Rod, it's Ryan Braun, it's Melky Cabrera, it's Cruz, it's Bartolo Colon, it's Yosemite Grandel, it's Johnny Peralta, Everett Cabrera, Francisco Cervelli, Jesus Montero, Fernando Martinez. Fautino de los Santos, Jordan Horton Norberto, and Mets minor leader Cesar Pueyo. Now, the interesting thing about Pueyo is that if baseball is able to do this, minor leaguers, well, we're going to get to all this, but it, it, first, first thing is, Pueyo is not going to have the same rights as the players that are in the MLB Players Association. So, Pueyo, if this goes down, he's not even going to be able to fight this thing. He's just going to take his suspension and, and deal with it. Uh, he's not a huge Mets prospect, but still, uh, there is a difference between what the Major League Baseball player is going to be doing, be able to do and what a minor leaguer, if there's even more names uh, listed. So, there, there is a difference there. Okay, first of all, with Gio Gonzalez, with the reports coming out, is saying that Apparently, what they have, what they can prove is the purchases that he did make were all legal. So it's likely that if if that's true, Gio Gonzalez is probably going to get off on this. So we'll see. Um, maybe, maybe. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, now, why that's a maybe is the strategy that baseball is apparently trying. To, the rumors, and, and almost every article mentions this, is baseball is trying. To basically take every single one of these names and make it a double offense. Now this is very big for someone like A. Rod. Um, a. Rod, if they're able to use a double offense, one for lying about being part of Biogenesis and Anthony Bosch, and two for violating the PED policies, then. That would be three strikes. Gone for life. Uh, Melky Cabrera, gone for life. Bartolo Colon, gone for life. You know, that's uh, uh, Grandel, gone for life. You know, a well, A-Rod, actually, he would, he'd be able to still be around, but 
He won't be. I mean, no. I mean, uh, when you know when this first came out in the uh, winter, basically. I mean, the Yankees are on record as saying they were gonna, you know, pursue uh, getting out of A Rod's contract if it was proved he was he was on these substances. And now, now it looks like uh, you know the Yankees may may go ahead and do that because uh, he's he's definitely uh, the center point of this thing. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, and that's one major point that I want to make in all this. People, uh, you know, the magical word sor- "sources" is being used by several different columns this this uh, today. The language about being suspended for steroids is not in A-Rod's new deal. A-Rod is not going to lose a dime in this. What he does lose is something much bigger, and that was any chance, and that was any chance of getting into the Hall of Fame or having a good end to his Yankee career. Uh, He might even lose the chance to try to prove that he can still got it uh, which means he probably doesn't have a chance for those bonuses for the home run record. It's going to be hard. He is a proud guy, and he is a hard worker, but he just cannot lay off the roids if all this is true. <laughs> and whether my and I'll get to my feelings about this again and remind everybody how I feel. But in short, uh, in this day and age. With the way most people feel about this, and most baseball, more importantly, what the Baseball Writers Association seems to feel about this, A-Rod will never, ever, ever, ever have a chance to, to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I, I really don't even see something this embarrassing uh, when you say, hey, you, you can now wipe out a lot of his career if that's the way you're going to go about it. And since he admitted times with the Texas Rangers, which wasn't too long, too long after he was in the league, and now he's been doing this since he was a Yankee, he's got no shot, none, and, uh, you know, I don't know, some people think it's a fitting end for A-Rod like this, what do you, what do you think? Um, I've never liked the guy, so, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a, I was a big fan of a Jim Rome show back in the day, and uh, I absolutely loved it when they called him the uh, the shirtless part tanner and purple lipstick wearing uh, buffoon that he is. And uh, and this guy hasn't done anything the last three or four years except get hurt and collect the paycheck. So yeah, I mean, and you know, it's very interesting here is. Well, let let me delve into what I was actually trying to say before. Um, the Major League Baseball strategy is how they're trying to make this kind of like a uh, a double penalty on a lot of this. That is going to be a hard hard thing to do. Now, a lot of people have come out. I've heard uh, talking about how well if they don't have any more substantial evidence other than notes from Anthony Bosch with the players' names on it, you know, can they really get away with suspending them? The answer to that question is yes. Because well, they, and they, they also said uh, Bosch will uh, testify yeah. as well. Well, that's part of the proof. 
And, yeah. and, if the, and if the players and if the players appeal, it might go that far and it would go to arbitration, um, which it, you know there's a, <laughs> there's some new names there after the uh, Major League Baseball disagreed with the, the arbitration's uh, decision on Ryan Braun initially. Now, they might well, go... You, you may, may want to take a quick minute and just remind people that uh, back when... Uh, well, biogenesis is basically considered the East Coast Balco. And uh, basically, you know, what happened with uh, Balco is... Uh, Victor Conti refused to testify with uh, against a lot of the players, including Barry Bonds, and he went to jail. So uh, that's uh, well, they, kind of the big, big two differences between what's going on there. Well, yeah, I mean, this is much different because now you've got a guy rolling over. And right. so you've got a guy rolling over. He's not going to protect these players. He, he apparently didn't get a lot of payments that he was supposed to get eventually anyway. Uh, he's not able to get them now. But going back to the double penalty and what they are able to do, um, you know, it, there is language about, um, let me get this, uh, I've got to look at it. Um, the league is allowed to suspend suspected users based on what's known as just cause. MLB, this is coming from a Jonah Carey column here in Grantland today, where he has a quote from an MLB spokesman about this. We have non-analytic non means of identifying players. So in other words, they get the evidence. They don't need the positive test. So that's where that's going to go. Now, where they're trying to do the double jeopardy type of thing or the double penalty, that's going to be much harder to prove to, to, to say that... Um, this this isn't part of one continuous act, and it's two separate acts. That that's going to be hard in arbitration. No matter what, even if you get there, you're, we have twenty twenty names that we know uh, supposedly, and fifteen of them, are, you know, twelve to fifteen of them are fairly big names. So that this would be the biggest scandal. Now, the some of the names initially testifying, like Palmero, McGuire, Sosa, Canseco, those are really, really big names, and they had varying degrees on this whole scan, uh, scandal when it first broke out. But man, 12 to 15 top-notch top-notch names, and there could be more. Yeah, and it could be could be other sports too, not just baseball. Well, we know it's happening in other sports. They just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, 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 not, let, let's be frank and honest about that, too. This is baseball. This is the only sport that really, really cares. <laughs> so, first of all, that double penalty is going to be really... Okay, there's a couple other points I want to start hitting on this that I, that I want to be sure that people know about here. The one interesting thing about how hard baseball is coming down on what is basically... Substance and uh, evidence, and not truly test. It is not any sort of coincidence that Sealing is apparently retiring next year, and now is putting the hammer down on something like this before he has positive tests on anybody. You know, Sealing has 
and I have ripped on him. But it is true that there's the revenues grow in baseball every year. Now the TV contracts are growing. They're not anything like NFL, but they just continue to grow, despite terrible World Series ratings and all that stuff. So money-wise, Bud Selig has actually been a pretty good commissioner. I mean, exactly what the owners want. He's just been terrible at everything else. You know, destroying the infrastructure of the game, and I guarantee you that he did not want to retire being known as the guy that let steroids happen, which is what he is now. He wanted to save his legacy. I think as long as this plays out, there is some of that involved here, and that's why they're not waiting on the due process of this, and they're going to go for the suspensions right away. Let me be clear on that. Now, the dangerous part about this, and, you know, of course, I, I am quoting a little bit more of Mr. Carey's column. I, I read uh, several other columns on this, but he, he was one of the few that made this point, and I agree with it, is that the interesting thing that could happen here is doing something like this, the double penalty thing, that is going to be very, very hard fought in arbitration. And it's the type of thing that could leave some sour, sour taste in the mouth of the ML, MLBPA. You know, you, you've got a collective bargaining agreement that's coming up in just uh, three years from now. We could be in for a big fight uh, on this whole thing in baseball, and this could not only be detrimental to these players now, it could be detrimental to the sport in a much bigger way that they never hoped would be possible again. And that's a scary thought if you're a baseball fan today. Yeah, uh, you know, baseball. I mean, doesn't have the attention to uh, a lot of a lot of people right now. They just they can't stand, uh, you know, to watch the pitcher and the catcher do ninety-five percent of the work, and uh, you know, <laughs> and that's what they're watching uh, uh, for three hours, but. Uh, I mean, yeah, if the game gets hurt again, I, I have no idea what the uh, what the response of the fans will be. Well, it, it, this would be a classic seal. This would be classic ceiling for me. I mean, yeah. we, we all know I, I call him Trader Bud, but but really, what he's doing here is very possible. Uh, you know, just because he doesn't want to fix simple things like the schedule, uh, the All Star game interleague play, which has run its course, uh, just because he doesn't want to address those things like that. He's now going to just address this one thing because all the old guys like him care. The young people like us don't care. We have a clear view of this, and I'm going to go through that again. Now, the old guys, who he's listening to because he doesn't understand young people, I wonder if he even has a smartphone, I, he probably has a Zach Morris phone, <laughs> except it's still corded too. Which it's not even a real mobile phone. It's it's the Zach Morris phone, but it's still corded to a wall somewhere. <laughs> He's probably got some sort of twenty-five-year-old intern from his car dealership that just like reels around extra cord for him all day <laughs> while he's wheeling him around. <laughs> But, you know, Bud Selig here, this is like the guy that you don't talk about in bad ro romantic comedies. 
you know, when you neglect something, the bad romantic comedy is, you know, a lot of times there's about a guy who's neglected his family for like 20 years and everything's really bad. And then all of a sudden he turns it around at the end and all oh, his family starts to love him and is, is, he's actually connecting with his daughter after he takes her off the stripper pole. You know, that, that sort of thing. And then it just as it gets all hunky-dory and, and everyone's happy, you know, the, fa the father gets cancer, but, you know, now we're supposed to forget, like, the 20 years of neglect, and, you know, he's now making it right at the end, not realizing the effect that those 20 years of neglect might have been doing, like getting his uh, daughter onto the stripper pole. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> That's kind of what Sealy's doing here. He's like, ah, you know, we neglected this. Uh, I ran with it. Everybody ran with it. We knew exactly what was going on. We needed the ratings after the strike. Uh, you know what? Now I'm going to pretend that I care like the whole time, and I'm going to try to save my ass right before I retire. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and the funniest thing is, is if it does blow up in his face, I will laugh really, really hard. <laughs> But I'll still watch baseball because I love the game. I don't. I don't. I hate how it's run. It's you know. It's just. It's like if you never. I don't know. I, I don't have a good. Uh, I I think I used up all of my. Uh, <laughs> I I think I used up all all of my creativity on on that little rant there on on Bud Sealy for this podcast. So you might have to be uh, the more creative one from here on out. But in, in short, you know. I'm going to talk about this again. I, People who have listened to this podcast a long time, I'm sorry. You're going to have to bear with it for another three or four minutes. We're going to get on to the NBA Finals. But I want to make this clear again, in case you're a new listener. I don't understand why we cared about these numbers that couldn't be compared anyway. This, this whole argument goes back to, you know, people... Holding numbers to, to this light, and, and and baseball is certainly at fault for marketing these numbers in the first place. And but we're dumb enough to just be lemmings and follow all this stuff about cherishing records in, in baseball is one of the most absurd thoughts. I've just never been a part of this thinking. And, and, I, and I think it's, you know, we think we're being smart because we can remember these numbers, but the, in reality, we're being lazy. We're not thinking about it. Uh, Babe Ruth's 714 home runs were, were nothing, nothing like Hank Aaron's 755 homers. Nothing like them. There's been no other sport that has completely changed over time than baseball. Football still play. Football has changed a ton too, but at least it's still played on a hundred yard field. Baseball, comparatively, would be played on uh, two hundred and fifty yard fields uh, if it was the same. If the same sort of argument, Babe Ruth hit an eighty three mile an hour fastball with a telephone pole, which the ball was a beanbag in ballparks that were thirty three percent larger than the ones we have today. To tell me, oh, by the way, there's also the evolution of the average size of the person over time. You know, like I said, the word evolution. Uh, it, we were comparing things that should have been compared anyway. 
I've never ever fell in love with it. So I never ever judge an era. I yeah, okay, fine. It's the steroid era. Ooh, they had bigger numbers than they had ever had before. I just I don't care that the numbers were so big. I just don't care. Were the players great? Should, would the players that were clean, should we take some time to recognize them when we think we found them? Sure. But all great players are great players in their time. Um, if Jim Tomey and Barry Larkin are so upset that they've been, been in the shadows, well, at some point in their career they should have found a way to speak up. There's, I'm sure there would have been ways to speak up without destroying their own careers. Without destroying, they, they could have been one of those anonymous sources. You know, I don't know. But what I do know is that we've got the whole thinking wrong in the first place. And baseball, <laughs> I think baseball has proved now that you shouldn't believe or follow anything that anybody says in baseball management in the league office. I mean, Bloss, do you think ML, do you think anyone's really smart if they're following what the league office is saying? I don't think anybody has followed the baseball office for years. I mean, <laughs> I mean the you know the the greatest players of the uh, of the last fifteen years, uh, especially the hitters, have. Have all have all been on some sort of PEDs, and uh, you know, no, I mean you you just <laughs> you you just can't uh, you, you can't quantify that and and take everybody and say this is how it is, but it's really like this, you know. Well, and the other argument that I heard from some people today is talking about how steroids are so much different than the other cheating that's gone on in baseball history. I guess if you want to talk about it's the first thing to actually affect physique, sure, but how much does physique really matter? I mean, how how do steroids compare to the heavy opium use in the 1880s? How does it compare to the 1899 Baltimore Orioles? Um wetting down the base pads, allowing their speedy players to take advantage of a term that became known as the Baltimore chop. Uh, how do you judge the New York Giants um, using binoculars in, in big series? How do you judge greenies? How do you judge anything else that's been cheating in baseball all along? And yeah, I mean, it's, it's last week I was at a bar and, uh, it was like the middle of the afternoon, and uh, on the TV they had uh, they basically had highlights from the baseball 2004 playoffs. Yeah, and just to see the guys in there, I mean, everybody was completely jacked up, and this is just <laughs> eight or nine years ago. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it, it was interesting to see. Well, and then I, another argument that that I've heard today on this is, is that, well, all these players back X time, and a lot of them would say like the seventies. You know, we're really nostalgic about the seventies. Um, I guarantee that there was PED use 
as in actual steroids in, in the 70s. The, the difference now is that it wasn't widespread. Uh, the drugs back then weren't as effective. And the money wasn't as great. And the money wasn't as great. There is definitely a correlation to the increased use of steroids and PEDs in baseball. Part of this is the advent of the guaranteed contract and the introduction of free agency. And if any of these people that are out there complaining about this, they are going to be naive, they're naive people if they think this is going to change. This is, this is the new reality. Baseball can, do, can be as hardcore as they want, and they can be even have the best testing systems in the world. But you know what? There's still people getting past USADA. There's people getting past Olympic testing. There, it took so many years to bring down Lance Armstrong. You know, there, it's, oh, it's, this is a part of the culture. It's something that exists now. There are, there are PEDs in use out there that we haven't heard the name of yet. And they're much more effective than the clean and the clear. And there are scientists coming up with new ways of doing it every single day. Now, can you curtail it? Is baseball different now? Is it obvious that it's not as prevalent? Sure. But if anyone's going to be naive enough and think that their favorite player isn't possibly on anything, well, then they should stop watching. They should stop voting. Because the truth is, in the end of all this, it only matters if you can tell that the player was great. I'm sorry. I hate being honest about it, but... It, I, this is a new reality. These are scientists aren't eventually aren't just going to say, you know what? Well, you know, I'm going to stop doing this. You know, they make a ton of money. The players aren't going to stop doing them if they feel like the risks are worth it because they have guaranteed contracts. Alex Rodriguez is still going to get 114 million dollars from somebody somehow. Yeah, I mean, in the past, the you know the, the voting for the Hall of Fame, it was you know the, they would always say baseball is the one sport where the numbers don't change. You know, three thousand hits is three thousand hits, three hundred wins is three hundred wins, and yeah, I mean, you're right, and none of that means anything anymore. I mean, it's just but it never meant any. My point is, it never meant anything in the first place. Yeah, it never did. All those have changed now. Now people are saying, well, you know, it's hard to stick around that long. Maybe 2,500 hits should be the new number. Maybe 200 wins is the new number because, you know, with pitch counts and everything, they just don't allow them to do more than 32 starts a year. Right. You know, how you got to win 15 games 15 years in a row, uh, and you got to do that within, say, 30 starts a year because you're always going to miss a starter fail. That's not reasonable. So, especially when you're only going six because of the, the manufactured term pitch counts. There's nothing to get me started on that. We don't have five hours. I got five hours on that one. <laughs> but, I, you know, uh, we're, we're going to move on to the NBA Finals now. I, I just want to get any final thoughts that you have on this whole thing. Uh, I mean, this is going to go down. It's going to go down hard. Uh, we, we just got to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm telling you that they try for the double penalty stuff. 
this is going to be a long, drawn-out fight if that happens. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, what happens. Uh, I mean, uh, nothing uh, really happened years ago with the uh, with the Mitchell report that came out. Uh, but uh, now this stuff is actually real, and uh, penalties are uh, at least on the preliminary saying they're going to be applied. So uh, I don't know what will happen, but um, I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens. And, 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 the big, and the big difference, as you said, this time the bad guy is singing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Conti was not, not you know, he, he was, <laughs> give him credit, I guess. <laughs> he was loyal. Um, well, there's no real good segue into this, so we got uh, the NBA Finals here uh, starting up uh, tomorrow night, and uh, I've got a couple of keys to the series. Uh, what was your first take on that? Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting series. Um, I thought it would be a real interesting series last year, which I thought it would be. Uh, the Spurs were up 2-0 versus the Thunder and then uh, promptly lost that series, and then the Thunder uh, had to play the Heat in the finals. But it's uh, it's just a complete contrast of styles. you got the... Uh, the fast break uh, tempo of the uh, of the Heat, and then the methodical, grind it out half court offense of the Spurs. But you know, you know, I, there is one big similarity uh, to both these teams, and, and how they. I think the first key is whatever other team does this more effectively is going to be able to to be the victorious team. Um, both these teams. Although a lot of times they do it differently, they, you know, San Antonio does it with like tick, 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 like almost like Barcelona, uh, Bar Barcelona soccer type of quick passing. Uh, you know, they try to get their shooters open that way. Uh, Miami uses it with the ability of LeBron to drive and draw players, and his uncanny ability to find the open guy to get their shooters open. Whoever is more effective in continuing to get their shooters open is going to be a very happy team in this series. I'm just not sure which team is going to do it, you know? I mean, I really like the storyline of the new mature LeBron going back up against the Spurs. I, I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, LeBron, uh, you know, last week or earlier this week, and it sent sports writers and talk shows into a frenzy saying, uh, you know, he was com comparing uh, what was going on in the uh, Indiana series to, to his Cleveland days because uh, instead of a big three, it seems like they have a big one out there now, and uh, it's... Uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, I still think Wade is. I still I still think he's hurt in some way, but it is clear that part of what was wrong with him was having a trying to cover Paul George. So one of the big key, my other big key in the series is just I, you can't stop him. 
but just how well they're able to contain Tony Parker at times. Uh, Miami's going to switch up the defense on them. They, you know, against against Indiana, especially in Game Seven, they they ran a lot of running traps out of whoever was holding the ball, and it led to 15 first half turnovers. That's not going to happen against the Spurs if you continually do that. Yeah, well, Indiana Indiana also has no point guard either. Right. Uh, they have a good team. But was it Augustine or any of the other guys that throw out there? George I mean, Hill? Yeah, they, they don't hold a, a candle to Parker. So. <laughs> so with Parker, I mean, you're going to have to run some of those flash, flash traps against them or whatever you want to call them. I, I'm not great with basketball terminology, but I do under, under I can understand a little bit what's going on. Uh, you know, he's going to be quick enough sometimes to split the double team, and sometimes he's going to be quick enough to find the shooter right away. Uh, so it's going to when those when that happens, it's going to be how comfortable Miami is letting one of the Spurs bigs open for a brief second, so they can get out to a shooter like Bonner. Meanwhile, that would leave guys like Duncan. And split her open. It's it's going to be really interesting the 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 ebb and flow of exactly how both these teams do it. And yes, you, you got to think that Popovich gives them like a one win edge. You know what I'm saying? Like one win is going to go to the Spurs just because of Pops, right? Yeah, I mean, the, since uh, the NBA has about. Uh, you know, half a month between games, uh, the Spurs have already been uh, sitting around for quite some time. Even though they didn't know who their was, opponent was going to be, uh, I'm sure uh, Popovich has uh, divided or drawn up a good game plan of how they're going to approach these guys. Do you think there was any chance that Pat Riley uh, dared Drake to get another club fight to try to get Tony Parker poked in the eye? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Robert Horry uh, hip check of Steve Nash of uh, years past. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I thinking that you know, I'm thinking Parker just uh, was smart this time and didn't didn't go out at all and just uh, stayed in his house for ten days or whatever. As <laughs> <laughs> they waited for the series to end, because I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure Riles would do that. Uh, you got to remember, Riles, he, he's been an all-coast now. I mean, <laughs> Riles knows a guy in every different area code you can want. I mean, let's be honest here. <laughs> Riles is in L.A. He had a pretty tough team in New York. Now he, he's hitting up South Beach, you know. He's got, Riles has got some pipelines, you know. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, so. <laughs> but, you know, I think those are uh, two big keys right there. And, and the, the third one, definitely, uh, you know, there's no way that the Spurs are going to be able to run a, a big lineup that's going to be as effective as the Indiana big lineup in, in just neutralizing some of the things that the Heat did, as in, completely wiping Shane Battier off the map for a whole series. You know, yeah, he didn't even play last game. They put in uh, Mike Miller instead of Battier. 
I do hear he did a good job of getting everyone Gatorade. <laughs> so, so his, his ability to be any type of role player you want, really, just top-notch. Top he, he, he nailed that uh, water distribution engineer job very well, very, very quickly. <laughs> Fast learner, those Duke guys. Fast learners. Very smart, very smart over there. Uh, but, so I think the Spurs are going to be able to do the same sort of thing, keep Batty off the floor, and he's one of those space shooters. But I, I don't think they're going to be effective for long stretches of time uh, with a big lineup and having Manu on the perimeter or something like that. But it's going to be a lineup that we're going to definitely see from the Spurs, and it's going to be interesting to see how effective that is at, at certain times as well. But I, I think the Spurs are better off I would just going with the, the smaller lineup and, and taking advantage of their smarts and, and their passing and the fact that they have Tony Parker. Uh, you know, I... But, you know, when they run that big lineup out there, it's going to be interesting how the Heat respond. Well, I mean, to, uh, one of the keys, uh, well, you kind of mentioned this, but to the series that I think is just the consistency of the other players um, on each respective team other than LeBron and then other than Tony Parker. Um, well, I mean, if if Bosch can't hit a 15-footer in this series, they're dead. Yeah, I mean, let, let me let me read to you Chris Bosch's uh, uh, last four games here. Okay. Uh, uh, versus Indiana, he was. Uh, this was uh, game four. Uh, one of six of the field. Uh, seven points, four fouls, three rebounds. Okay. Uh, uh, game five, uh, three of seven from the field, seven points, five rebounds, two fouls. Okay. Game six, one of eight from the field, uh, five re uh, five points, four four rebounds, two fouls. And, and wait, 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 uh, wait a minute. Game seven versus Indiana, even though it was a blowout, three of thirteen from right. the field, nine points, eight rebounds. <laughs> one of <clears throat> one of eight in the first quarter when LeBron specifically tried to get them involved. By the way, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Wade, I believe, did have ten of their first nineteen points yeah. in uh, Game Seven. Yeah. He, uh, but uh, yeah, Bosch. Uh, if he does that when he's matched up against Duncan, they're dead. Yeah. You know, it, it, one other thing that they, is going to happen, but they they can't tire out LeBron doing it. You know, if they get really desperate against Parker, they're going to throw LeBron on him for certain stretches of the games. And they're going right. to have no choice. Yeah. So, and, and if that happens, it's going to be interesting. The key there is going to be how Kawhi Leonard how he responds on the offensive end with the different matchups on the floor. So, you think we might see like Tracy McGrady in like a goon role this series? He'll <laughs> just come off the bench and hack LeBron for like five minutes and then leave. I I'm thinking that I want to see uh, Matt Bonner dressed as a luchador. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what I want to see. <laughs> I, I, I think I think you just should make it obvious one game and come out as uh, dressed as Seamus. <laughs> doing his best a Bob Backlund impression. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, just, just, uh, <laughs> just, just a double arm hammer. <laughs> oh God! All right, I think we've uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of this preview. I think as soon as you start getting the Matt Bonner Luchador references, it's time for the it's time for the picks. All right, Blonick. We we we've th detailed the series. You gotta pick someone now. Who, who you got? I'm actually uh, gonna surprise some people, and I'm gonna say the Spurs and seven. Damn I, I just I just really think uh, I I don't I don't know if Bosch and Wade. I mean, if if they have a good game once every four games, that's that's not going to be enough. I mean, I I, I just I, as I was saying before, the consistency of the other players, I think, has to favor the Spurs. Damn it! I I oh, you took my pick. <laughs> I feel I feel like I got to change it now. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna make it interesting. I'm, I'm gonna go Heat and seven. Okay. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be different. I'm gonna go Heat and seven. <laughs> well, as we draw that segment to to close, uh, the career of a guy that you and I know, being Ohio guys, uh, growing up. Well, me, I'm still here. You, you're gone, but you you were here. Uh, you remember? Uh. Gordon Gee, um, now uh, now gone. Uh, over the weekend, you and I talked about this when the start when the scandal started breaking. Uh, we said that there's no way this was going to last. Uh, alas, it, it it did not last. Uh, Gordon Gee is now uh, quotes retiring. In other words, canned his ass uh, on July first. How are how are you going to remember Gordon Gee? Gordon Gee. Uh, well, I will remember in his uh, in his going out that uh, he offended at least eight individuals or eight individual groups or organizations of people. Uh, it may be more, but I'll, I'll go ahead and give you my list here. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's see. We folks, we both made a list of this, so let's see if they match. I, eight sounds right. I I've got seven, so you got an extra one, I think. Go ahead. Okay, we got uh, Brett Bielema. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yep. Uh, uh, Barry Alvarez. Yeah. Okay. Um, Catholics. Yeah. Just Catholics in general. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame uh, feeding off of the Catholics reference. Yeah. The SEC. Yeah. Uh, the University of Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, the Big Ten. Yeah. And the University of Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the... Uh, he also uh, singled out uh, Louisville. 
Yeah, yeah, I forgot them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He also singled out Louisville. So that, that that's a good one. Uh, in previous comments, uh, he also made the uh, Little Sisters of the Poor references. Uh, he made some uh, he, he made some Polish jokes. Uh, I believe it was about the Polish Navy. Uh, so that that was pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed that one being Polish myself. After all, it is the Polish Guy podcast. Um, you know, you know, Catholics. I, I'll tell you what, though. I, I'm I'm born and raised Catholic, uh, Byzantine Catholic to be exact. Uh, you know, his thing about not trusting Catholics, um, you know, he, he wasn't specific enough. Uh, he, that one held some water. <laughs> that one definitely held some water. Um, what is interesting, though, is uh, you know right before he announced his uh, supposed retirement, uh, he mentioned that he uh, will not address uh, Catholic grads at St. Francis de Sales High School in Columbus. Uh, G said that uh, Monday that he decided not to attend to make sure the students and their accomplishments remain the focus of the event. Uh, he apologized for his hurtful remarks. And uh, that was on Monday, and that was when Ohio State basically gave him the no-tolerance policy. And then on Tuesday, he said uh, that he had taken some time to himself, relaxed and reflected on his life, and decided it was time to go. <laughs> Big shock there. You yeah, know what? I mean, it, a lot of people were surprised he, he survived uh, this is the way he idiotically handled the Jim Trestle, uh, Trell Pryor scandal a few years ago, and they're surprised he survived that, and there was just no way he was going to survive this. He, I guess he still thinks it's 1975, and uh, the stuff he says isn't going to get back to people. I, I don't know. Well, you know, he has always been like this. It's just that right. we, we didn't have that back then because his first stint with Ohio State was when I was there. Right. You know, and and for all intents and purposes, the people that, that I knew in the university had actually met with him, and he would be at a lot of dinners, and, and he would definitely be part of the campus. And, and as far as how Ohio State has changed over the last uh, 13 years, or 15, well, it's been 15 since I started there, um, he deserves a lot of credit. Now, remember, he left and then came back. He, he was originally at Vanderbilt as well. Uh, and, and Brown. And Brown. So it's interesting he now rips on the Southeastern Conference <laughs> when he came from Vanderbilt. But, you know, for anything that I ever read and, and heard firsthand or heard secondhand about those dinners, that sort of thing, he loved doing this. He he loved making the jokes, and he he felt that was a way to really connect with the people he was talking with. And, and yeah, I mean, he was a guy that yeah, you didn't have to worry about money anymore. An older guy, you know, the quirky bow ties and stuff like that. Uh, he he kind of invited the, the the quirkiness of his character. That, that he sort of created there, and in that time he was really helping the university too. So his first stint was actually pretty successful. I'm, I'm saying stint number two, uh, a little past his prime. <laughs> Just a little past, yeah. 
you know, apparently doesn't have a recognition that uh, you can't insult people in public anymore. You can only do it on podcasts. So if he had his own podcast like I do, where I insult everybody and get everybody mad at me, you're allowed to do that because you're allowed to use caveats and tell people that you're joking and do it with the inflection of your voice. You know, when it just comes out in the media and says, oh, those damn Catholics can't be trusted and I hate Notre Dame. And, you know, by the way, there were reports. And see, some of these things, uh, he, he, he was on to something, but he was just a little too honest. Uh, no one really liked Brett Bielema in the Big Ten. They, I don't think Barry Alvarez even liked him at Wisconsin. Uh, Alvarez in a... <laughs> Alvarez behind closed doors apparently calls him a thug, and he's glad that he's gone. I, I read that about Bielema on his way out. So, you know, there's some funny things about this, but obviously, uh, this is not a day and age that you you can represent a university that's had enough bad press. I would say in the last couple of years, you you can't come out and just start insulting everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was almost like a professional wrestling rant. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it was just crazy. Yeah, in one in one podcast, we've used Luchador, Sheamus, and, and basically uh, Gordon Gee's farewell uh, wrestling promo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically what we've had. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it, it's, it was, I have fond memories of the guy from when I was there. Uh, you clearly just can't do what he did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I, maybe I can make fun of Catholics since I was raised Catholic. Or, you know, there's always that caveat, which, you know, I don't even necessarily agree with that one. You are still insulting an entire group of people uh, when you do that. And, and, you know, I, I'm guilty of it too, but at least I'm honest. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any parting words for a good old uh, bow tie wonder? Uh, he should uh, enjoy his retirement and uh, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, he says stuff not with large groups of people with uh, tape recorders and whatever around. But uh, I mean, he did do a good job in a lot of different places. It's just. I mean, it's. I mean, it's just ridiculous to think he could get away with this. That's like, that's like saying you can, you can, uh, you could have made the movie Blazing Saddles today, right? Like, you, like you just couldn't do it because it's so politically incorrect. <laughs> uh, and uh, like, you know, as a head of a university and the largest university in the country. Uh, you can't do this. <laughs> so you don't think we we should we could get like John Goodman as as like the prospector that keeps keeps saying the N word as the bell is ringing and we can't get Dave, <laughs> we can't get David Chappelle uh, to 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 play uh, uh play the role of the sheriff and say where are the white women at? You don't think that flies anymore? No, I I just uh, <laughs> I just don't think or Mel Brooks saying. Uh, you know, don't move from that position. I'll be right back. And uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I would say that uh, all our current governors pretty much do what Mel Brooks did in that movie. I, I would say that uh, he was uh, forward thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, speaking of morbid thinking, oh, look at this segue. I am the master of segues. No, I'm not. <laughs> but speaking of forward thinking, doesn't seem like Deshaun Jackson has a lot of that. Uh, in case you hadn't heard, Sean Jackson, uh, he fired Drew Rosenhaus. That's fine. You can fire your agent, you know. Um, uh, rumor has it that he's going to be the latest guy to sign with, uh, uh, what is it, Rock Sports from Jay-Z? Is that what it is? ROC uh, yeah. Sports or what it, Rock? Um, Jackson denies that, uh, but we all know he's probably going to sign there. Uh, look, I got no problem with Jay-Z either in, in this whole story. I, I, I think uh, having a rapper with that actually is a su successful businessman and has been for a long time, which obviously he's got a great army of lawyers, and uh, he's under investigation. I don't really agree with the investigation with the NFL. First of all, what they're accusing him of is basically they're saying that, Jay-Z, you're not a lawyer. You can't recruit these guys. What the hell are you doing? The truth is, is that every agent uses other players and other ways and means of recruiting guys. Uh, you know, going after Jay-Z just to go after him, uh, it's kind of stupid in, in my opinion. Uh, but that's not the story. Uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, apparently doesn't like to pay his bills. Um, and I'm sure something like this would have happened because I don't get the idea that Drew Rosenhaus likes to be fired. Uh, I kind of get the idea that he might be a, a little vengeful at times. But he does say that Sean Jackson owes him $400,000 of loans that he's given him over the last three years. Now, that's a lot of money for you and me, Matt. Uh, take us, uh, let's see, carry the one, <laughs> multiply that. Uh, 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 just under 42 years for me to pay that back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you. Uh, uh, probably right in that same vicinity, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we did sign a deal that, like, did you sign a deal last year that was, could be worth $48 million over over, over time? Uh, negative. <laughs> uh, did you sign a deal last year that has um, $15 million in guaranteed money paid over the first two years? No. Uh, Deshaun Jackson did. Yeah. Um, I would think that if he's really owed this money to Rosenhaus, I, I would say that uh, he's got it. And uh, this is probably something that he should have uh, thought of before firing his agent. So the same one that got him that huge contract that he's not worth. When? When was that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Last year. And he was coming off a bad year, and he still got on that deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking you're going to want to pay out your outstanding debts to the guy. Now, what's weird about this is, like, one of those dirty secrets of sports that no one ever talks about is that agents usually float money to the draft picks that they've got until they get their first paycheck from the NFL. There's a lot of rookies that come in. They already owe, like, 30, 40 grand to their agents, uh, right. sometimes more. You know, depending on exactly what the agent did as far as uh, whatever camps set up for him, whatever pros he got to work out with him, 
you know, if you had to go to that, uh, what is it, the, the speed agency? I forget the name of it. Everyone goes to that, that, that speed camp. You know, yeah. that, you know, all that, that, you know, that's another 10 G's or 20, 15 G's or something like that. Um, but he's been in the league a while. How, how did he need all that money, and how was he not able to pay it back when he got paid $15 million? Yeah, he, he was a second-round pick, too, and I think, I'm not positive on this, uh, he was a second-round pick before the... Uh, the new uh, Paysdale started to come. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll look it up as, as, uh, as we talk here. Uh, I'll go to my fun little website here. I mean, it, it's not like that uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, is hurting. <laughs> it's not like he was hurting that. I don't think it was, he was hurting that bad beforehand. Uh, let's see here. Deshaun Jackson. Uh Let's see here. Uh, uh, or maybe, maybe he just goes to Latrell Sprewell for financial advice or something. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't even know. It's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I mean, this is a nice deal through 2016. Um, I'm trying to find out the old deal. I'm sure that he... Uh, uh, his first deal was a four-year, $3.46 million contract in 2008. Um, yeah, and the deal was uh, five years, 47, with 15 guaranteed. Uh, signed March 14, 2012. Uh, 14 months later, that's, that's not good enough. I'm going to Jay-Z. <laughs> but I'm not going to pay you the money I owe. <laughs> not, not a good forward thinker that Deshaun Jackson if this is all true but he is not the model American of the week um, you might not have heard about this one yet and he's not an official model American of the week he's more of a pending model American of the week because uh, well charges are pending in this one <laughs> lots you want to fill people in on the uh, nice baseball news that we got today other than the 20 names that, that might not be on the field for a year? Um, well, I'm, I, I was actually going to let you handle this one since this is coming out of Cleveland and uh, your neck of the woods, but uh, the, the man he's referring to is uh, Chris Perez and it's uh, marijuana and federal agents and uh, shipments to his house, I believe, are involved. Uh, you, you want to go into any further than that? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give the rest of the detail, because it, it might not have made all the national outlets. Um, <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Okay, Chris Perez is the closer for the Cleveland Indians, if you don't know who he is. Uh, he's been very outspoken in the media. Uh, this is a contract year for him. Um, he... <laughs> He's ripped on Cleveland before for the fans not showing up to games. Uh, they haven't showed up this year either. Uh, he basically uh, he injured himself in Boston a couple about ten days ago. He's on the DL, uh, and uh, he's also ripped on management before not signing players. That was before they signed Bourne and Swisher and all that in this offseason. Well, it apparently happened, allegedly, at this time, since no char charges are officially filed and uh, the investigation is pending, but it's never good when the FBI is involved that usually leads to charges in some way, shape, or form for somebody. 
Uh, it looks like it could be Perez here, uh, simply because of the circumstances of the case. Uh, yesterday, FBI was brought in uh, because uh, they under one they've been investigating some sort of uh, marijuana ring ring on the west side of Cleveland, uh, but that didn't tip them off until nothing was tipped off in this particular thing until uh, the Postal Service saw a suspicious package. Uh, the package was investigated. It turns out that the package uh, was a pound of marijuana uh, en route to the rented home, uh, rental home that uh, Chris Perez rents in Rocky River, Ohio. And uh, FBI agents uh, went to the address, had a search warrant. Uh, details are not out on exactly what has been taken out of the residence yet. Uh, the Indians have simply put out the typical. We're aware of the situation, we're gathering information, we have no other updates at this time. Sort of press release that usually precedes something like, ah, well, uh, this guy's uh, not going to be on our team. I'm thinking that, you know, I go back to one of the fundamental rules of the podcast. Um, one, if you're an athlete member, if you like weed, if you smoke a lot of it, I know a lot of you do. There's nothing wrong with it. Personally, you know, I I'm not going to get in the whole political thing. I, uh, weed is not that bad. Um, you know, I it's just not that bad. But it is illegal, and uh, you're not allowed to do it in 48 of the 50 states, and uh, well, maybe 47 if you consider the. Uh, legalized marijuana, I don't, whatever. It's not legal here. So, if you are someone who loves weed, two things, never take it in the car with you, and the other thing, I know you're paying for a posse. Uh, most players are. There's someone that's part of a posse. Uh, they're part of your management team, something like that. You know, may, maybe you're the person that shows up in an AT&T store when Titus Young is asleep. You know, I, I don't know, something like that. Uh, have them do it for you. If they don't want to work and they just want to be on your coattails or something like that, you know, let them take some risk. You're the athlete. You go down, everyone goes down. Yeah, you don't do this. Uh, but even if you don't have a posse, you know, that's not how you roll. Um... I'm thinking there's better ways to do things than trying to mail weed. <laughs> weed is not the type of thing you just uh, put a forever stamp on and throw in an envelope. <laughs> you know who looks for that stuff? Every post office in the nation. <laughs> it's called screening. They screen the mail. Now, it's just kind of like uh, your neighborhood uh, airport. They screen a lot of things there, too. That's why you don't ship your guns at an airport. Not allowed. You don't ship your weed in a post office. Not allowed. <laughs> so, you get to be mild every of the week because, man, is that dumb. Holy crap. That's dumber than pissing off the SEC. <laughs>
And that includes the Securities and Exchange Commission. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Those are both federal crimes, usually, when those people are involved. Yeah, the SEC might actually be involved in this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, uh, Chris Perez, uh, God help you. Uh, I, I got no advice on this one. If you got to mail weed, <laughs> well, let me put it this way. You got to be pretty high to try to mail your weed. <laughs> <laughs> How's that throwing an arm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe instead of icing his arm, he just smokes a lot. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> That's not a protein bar. That's a weed brownie. <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, man, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that one all plays out. Uh, uh, maybe there was a uh, part of his posse. Living, I don't, whatever. I don't know. I, who mails weed? Uh, apparently he does. All right, Blots, uh, it's been enjoyable. Uh, a little bit over an hour. Um, fantastic podcast this time. Thanks for coming on, man. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no problem. It was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. And uh, hopefully the, the people will uh, listen before tomorrow or at least before the weekend. Uh, but yeah, the uh, finals NBA started uh, on Thursday. Yep, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, and it was good to have you on. And people, thanks for listening again to the uh, Polish Guy podcast. Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Polish Guy podcast. We have a model American of the week. Holy crap, that defense is good. Let's get on the lighter side of things. Holy crap, that defense is good. Daddy, don't be worried. They'll find a way to win a 